last time on Forza Crowd. Roses are red, violets are blue. Edible arrangements are sweet and tart, just like you. Signed, Jason. We have got to do something about all the extra stuff around here. Why don't we donate all the stuff to Mrs. Halverson's rummage sale to benefit that children's home where she volunteers? Hello, gorgeous. Why are you here? I have phenomenal news. Finally gonna grow a set of balls? The publisher I submitted my recent book to is going to publish it, and there's a huge launch party at the Don Cesar. I'd rather have lunch with Harvey Weinstein's corpse. There's one more pile of stuff in my room. You mind grabbing it for me? Sure, no problem. We'll make sure it gets donated. We've got some real treasures for your rummage sale, Mrs. H. I can't believe that Dylan is getting rid of this vintage teddy rex bin. It's an incredible condition. I love it. Well, if you love it so much, he's yours. Hey guys, have you seen my Teddy Ruxpin? So how was your awkward lunch? Must have been vomit-inducing sitting across from the guy that traded you in for a newer model. Actually, lunch went surprisingly well. I ate and drank a lot, Jason paid a lot. I have a surprise. See Dylan, I told you we would find him. That is not my Teddy Ruxpin. If Mrs. Halverson wasn't being so stubborn and mean-spirited, this wouldn't be a problem. What do you mean? She's like the sweetest ever. Ha! Not anymore. She's holding that bear for ransom. Hey, Mrs. H. I was hoping to resume our hostage negotiations. I don't get it, Mrs. H. Why don't you just return the stupid bear to Dylan? I can see what Dylan saw in this toy, and I don't want to give it up. It's a hype tape for sex. Hi there. You must be the building concierge, Michelle Pfeiffer. And you must have cataracts. You look really great, by the way. If I didn't know any better, I'd say you were almost a respectable gentleman. Here. I found this after you moved out. Moved out? Okay, so when I kicked you out, I thought you may want it back. Jason hands Allison a beautiful charm bracelet. Wow, I never thought I'd see this again. Well, I better get going. Jason, can you wait about 30 minutes? Why? Because it'll take about that long for me to get ready. And now, the conclusion. Unbeknownst to Bradley, Dylan and Cameron, Allison is still at the book launch party. By now, it's nearly midnight. The boys are relaxing with some cognac, cheese, grapes, and watching The Shining. I'm constantly discovering new ways of interpreting this film. Isn't it brilliant how Kubrick integrated all this substance into his masterpiece? You don't think he actually put everything into the film that you and other horrorphiles and film professors say he did? Yeah, I don't think he was there like, oh, 40 years from now, audiences will discover that the film is really a commentary on rewriting history, cultural appropriation, parenting, or even the moon landing. <laughs> anyway, I wonder where Allison is. Yeah, she's usually home on a Friday night. Well, maybe she got lucky. Allison walks into the apartment with Jason. Jason, you remember Bradley, Cameron, and Dylan. I do. Hey, guys. Hey. hey. Solid choice on the film. I love The Shining. Isn't it brilliant social commentary on trauma, parenting, cultural appropriation, and even the moon landing? <laughs> Where are you two coming from? We've been at Jason's book launch party, and it was incredible. Jason introduced me to all kinds of people. And a couple of them want to talk to me about my show. I'm so glad I was able to do that for you. If it hadn't been for Jason, I'd still not have a clue what the future of my show was going to look like. Sounds like you had a codependent, I mean, stupendous time. <laughs> Would you boys excuse us? Oh, don't mind us. I mean, can you go into the kitchen? Uh, yeah, sure. Dylan, Cameron, and Bradley pause the movie and go into the kitchen. They seem like good roommates. Well, I better get going. Wait a minute, Jason. I, I need to tell you something. I really had a marvelous time, 
and I'm very happy for you and your book deal. You weren't a chauvinistic douchebag at the launch, and your speech wasn't narcissistic. You gave a genuine thank you speech. And for a moment, I forgot what a pig you are. Thanks, Allie. I appreciate you putting up with my company and accompanying me to the launch party. We felt like a real team again. Well, it's getting late. I'm going to head home now. Good night, Jason. Allison walks with Jason over to the door and then opens it to leave when he turns around towards Allison. Allie, would you maybe like to do this again? Go out sometime? I'd like that. Jason gives Allison a kiss on the cheek, but then they both begin to make out. Dylan, Cameron, and Bradley are sitting in the living room discussing how to find Dylan's Teddy Ruxpin. Have you guys searched everywhere? We sure have. Even posted flyers around the building. Uh, Did you call the children's home? Maybe it got thrown in with the stuff you gave to Mrs. H. She's definitely not at the children's home either. How do you know that? Is there something you're not telling me? I can't. I I just can't anymore. Bradley gave him to Mrs. Halverson. (laughs) You what? It was an accident. He was with the pile of stuff you were donating to the rummage sale. I don't understand the problem. Just tell her that it was a mistake. We've tried doing that, but she refuses to give him back. Believe us, Dylan. We've tried reasoning with her, but she is clinging onto him harder than a Minnesotan winter clings to spring. <laughs> Cut the crap, Bradley. You will get Mrs. H to return my teddy, or I will write for a good time, call Bradley on all the bathroom stalls at work. Ha! It's already there. In the women's room? (laughs) Damn, he's not kidding. In the midst of the boys' heated discussion, Allison and Jason walk into the apartment. Do you want to stay for a drink, Jason? Thanks, babe, but I gotta get going. I have a meeting with my publisher in the morning. Jason and Allison kiss each other goodnight, and Jason leaves. Allison then turns to the boys and sits down with them in the living room. So how was your date? It wasn't a date. Sure looked like a date. We are just... Friends. Maybe a little flirty, but just friends. I don't know. I know that look in both of your faces. Okay, fine. There may be a little bit more there. He's changed, and I'm feeling attracted to him again. But I'm not sure if I want to go beyond friends. I'm really more interested in rebuilding a friendship with Jason. With the occasional fooling around. Plus, I feel like he can take my show to the next level. There's nothing wrong with friends with benefits. Why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? One of Mrs. Halverson's metaphors? Yup. Speaking of whom, how is the little rescue operation going? Care to field that one, Bradley? Meanwhile, I'm going to bed. Bradley and I are going to meet with Mrs. Halverson in a couple days to hopefully finalize our hostage negotiations. Sounds to me like you may be falling for Jason again. I don't get it. Just a few days ago you wished that he would get hit by a city bus, and now you're okay with porking him? Perhaps I should have a heart-to-heart with Jason to let him know that this can't go beyond friends. I think that's the most prudent thing to do. And settle them, as soon as I find the right time. Mr. Positivity Wolfie T here to tell you about the Positively Wolfie Podcast where we provide unqualified commentary on allegedly real news. Join me and a co-host as we provide a non-serious take on silly, strange, or just plain dumb news headlines and stories. Look for me on Twitter at PositivelyWolf1 and find the Positively Wolfie podcast on your favorite podcast app. And subscribe today.
Dylan, Cameron and Bradley are taking turns playing Mario 64. Honestly, this is still the best interpretation of Mario ever. It incorporated so much of the soul of the OG, yet it paired it with 360 degree world. I myself play it for hours at a time. Wonder how many stars the boys have. Booyah! Only one more door to unlock before we save Princess Peach. As the boys are completely engrossed in their gameplay, Allison walks in. Boys, Jason is going to be here any minute. I'm finally gonna have that talk with him. Have you rehearsed? What? Sure, you should probably rehearse so you know what to say. I'm an adult. I don't need to rehearse what I'm going to say. I don't know, Allie. I think you should rehearse. And I just happen to have a script right here. Dylan takes out a single page script and hands a copy to Allison. Here, I'll be Jason and you be Allison. This is absurd. I'm not participating. Well, I happen to be a team player, so I'll be Jason. You can't be Jason. I'm Jason. You're Allison. I don't want to be Allison. Pick Cameron. He'd be a better Allison anyway. Well, I don't want to be Allison either, but I'll play Jason. <laughs> Dylan walks over to the door to answer it. Standing at the door is Jason. Whoa, sounds like a party in here. Am I too late? Not if you want to play Allison. <laughs> huh? Come on in, Jason. We were just rehearsing. Rehearsing the... Rehearsing the scene from... A Midsummer Night Scream. Think Ghostface meets Shakespeare. <laughs> that sounds fun. I saw a production of Death Becomes Him not long ago at the community theater. We were all in that one. Allison ended up directing it. Wow, that's fantastic. Would you like to sit down? I really can't, because I have the biggest surprise for you. You got a vasectomy? Even better. It's candy apple red, has four chrome rims, retractable top, lots of muscle, and the heart of a stallion. Okay, give us a minute to guess. I cannot believe it. You're not serious. Don't worry, Allie. We'll figure it out. It's here? Downstairs. It's the exact same Mustang GT convertible model we had our first date in. But why? Why would you buy it? Bought it because I remember all the good times we had in it. We did, you know. We sure did. But we really should. Should take it for a spin. Actually... There's something we should talk about. Sure, whatever you say, but let's talk about it in the car. Jason grabs Allison by the hand and whisks her over to the door, and they go out into the elevator. Guys, I don't think this is a good idea. Yeah, I'm thinking of all the things they're going to do in the car. Come on, you guys. She is over him. There's no way she's going to spread her legs for the guy that literally dumped her for his assistant. <laughs> Bradley, Dylan, and Cameron are eating breakfast in the kitchen when Allison walks in, still wearing her clothes from the night before. Are you just now getting in? My guess is that Jason definitely got in last night. We just talked all night. Didn't intend to, but we ended up driving all throughout the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's why your clothes and hair are all disheveled. Not to mention your shirt's backwards. All right, all right. So we parked. And? Talked. All right, all right. We had sex. I had sex. And it was glorious. I told so many people that he had micropenis for so long that I forgot he's actually pretty well endowed. Wow. I, I thought you had more self-control than that. What were you thinking? Excuse me? So, you boys can randomly sow your seeds around all willy-nilly. 
but I can't have sex for one night with a friend. Oh, so you're friends now. Can it, you old bitch? <laughs> well, what happened? After driving around, the mood was just right. Then things happened. Get this. We got busted by the police like a couple of teenagers. But the officer turned out to be a fan of Jason's book, and he let us off the hook. Obviously, you don't have enough sex in public to know how to not get caught. I mastered that in college. Giving the hockey guys blowjobs behind the dumpster outside of the arena does not count. <laughs> how are you feeling about the whole thing? I know I should feel awful. Guilty. Dirty, even. But I don't. I had fun. And you know what? The sex was great. Well, now you've gone and done it, if you were trying to make the only friends talk with him as difficult as possible, you succeeded. Breaking up by itself is difficult. Breaking up when the sex is great is downright nearly impossible. It's Jason. Hello? You were great too. And the way you did the thing? Sure, we could do that. You hang up first. No, you hang up first. Cameron grabs her phone and ends the call. That didn't sound anything like prepping him for the just friends talk. I know I made a mistake, but I got this. Don't worry, I'll talk with him tonight. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Maddie. Do you like horror movies? I sure do. Well, did you know that most horror movies are inspired by real-life horror? Really? Like what? Well, take The Shining, for instance. That's based on Stephen King's real-life addictions, or The Purge, which could be our country any minute now. Oh, and The Strangers, which is based on a real-life murder. People should be talking about these things. Hey, Guys. Oh, oh, hey, Producer, producer Michael. Producer Michael, oh, Well, I hate to break it to you, but somebody already is. It's you. <gasps> That's right. We are Friday the 13th, the podcast where we talk about horror in real life and horror in media, all from an LGBTQ perspective. Because we gay, y'all. We are proud members of the Legion Podcast Network, and we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Come along with us on this crazy journey, and as always, get slayed. Bradley and Cameron are sitting in the living room with Mrs. Halverson. Mrs. Halverson is holding on to Dylan's Teddy Ruxpin tightly, and her entire body says that she's ready for battle. $400. Come on, Mrs. H. Why won't you be reasonable? Think of everything that we've done for you. Oh, right. Yeah. Make that $500. <laughs> but he doesn't belong to you. Oh, you betcha he does. He belongs to Dylan. Not anymore. You gave him to me. But I had no right to give him to you. I didn't know he wasn't part of the rummage sale. So you mean to say it was a mistake? Are you an ignoramus? Yes. I see. Well, now is as good a time as any to learn that even innocent mistakes have consequences. And yours is a costly one. I thought you Midwesterners were supposed to be warm, jolly, gracious, and hospitable. Right. About that, I got mono the week they taught that in school. <laughs> Sucks to be you. What use could you possibly have with Dylan's bear? Mr. Halverson and I find his motivational sex tape to be inspirational. Mr. H is exuding confidence like I've never seen him exhibit before. Why, he's been able to take me and- Ah, stop. I can't hear this. It's like hearing your parents talk about their sex life. Ew. 
I'm convinced that I was the product of a turkey baster in a test tube because I know there's no way that my parents ever have sex. So, which one of you is going to pay me $500? I'm going to report you to the building's owner for extortion. Ha! Beat that, Mrs. H. Hope you're still moonlighting as a health inspector because you may need that fallback job. Oh, Brady. If you report me to the owner, then I'll just have to tell her that it was you who screwed her nephew while he was home from college and broke his little Twinkie heart. You wouldn't dare. Oh, wouldn't I? Fine. I'm willing to sacrifice Brad if it gets us Dylan's Teddy Ruxpin back. Cameron! Well, it was you who got us into this fucking mess in the first place. No, it wasn't. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, it was. We're just going to have to figure out something else because we are not paying you $500 for a stupid toy. Oh, I think you'll change your tune once you see this. Mrs. Halveson takes out a firecracker and a lighter. She holds the firecracker next to Teddy Ruxpin. You see this firecracker? If you don't pay me $500, Teddy is really going to get lit. At that very moment, Dylan walks into the living room. Step back, Dylan. She's got a firecracker. I've been thinking, Mrs. H. If Teddy really means that much to you, he brings you joy and instills in you confidence to achieve great things or inspires you to put notches in your bedpost after each sexual conquest, then you can have him. Really? Why, that's truly magnanimous of you, Dylan. I don't know what that means, but I'm going to take it as a compliment. <laughs> I guess over the years, I've become codependent on him. I thought I needed him to realize my dreams to feel successful in the bedroom, and just in life in general. It's true that he did help me as a kid when I needed him the most, but I've grown up. I'm stronger now. More independent. Dylan walks slowly over to Mrs. H. Mrs. H lowers her firecracker and lighter. Dylan gently strokes the teddy's fur as he guides Mrs. H to the front door and opens it. And I hope for you, Mrs. H, that he brings you the same joy that he brought me. Just then, with Mrs. Halverson's guard down, Dylan grabs Teddy Ruxpin and pushes Mrs. H out of the front door. Can you at least make a copy of the tape? We didn't make it to Site B. Sure, Mrs. H. Wow, Dylan, that was really ballsy of you. No one comes between me and Teddy. I thought you said you were no longer codependent on him. I'm not, but I want to give him to my kid one day. Aww. Allison and Jason are walking along the beachside boardwalk, making their way towards the pier. The gorgeous Florida sunset paints streaks of cotton candy skies across the horizon. The sound of the waves crashing on the powdered sugar sandy shores provides the percussion, whilst the crickets and the birds sing the melody. Thanks for the ice cream, Jason. You're welcome. It's your favorite flavor, mint chocolate chip. That's very sweet of you to remember. You know, I think we're really going to make it this time around. Jason, I... Now that I've landed this book deal, have more time off from the university, and have lots of money rolling in, we are going to work out. I don't think that money makes or breaks a relationship. Of course it does, babe. And because of that, I am going to be able to hook you up with influential friends that can help you make your dreams come true, too. With me, you can make it. And that's why... Jason kneels down in front of Allison and takes out a ring box. I want you to be my wife again. Jason, I... I don't know what to say. Jason takes Allison's hand and places the large sparkly engagement ring on her finger. Allison looks at it with wishful eyes. This is when you say yes because you have relanded the most eligible bachelor in Tampa Bay. I can tell that you've changed, Jason. I really, I can. 
And to not acknowledge that would be unfair to you because people can change even when they've made terrible decisions. Why, thank you. I've worked hard on improving me. Allison slips the ring off her finger and gives it back to Jason. But if I were to say yes, I would be lying. Because I'm not in love with you in that way. What do you mean? Can't you forgive me? I do forgive you, Jason. But I can't just forget what happened. So is that the reason I will always be the cheating ex-husband? No, that's not really it. But then why? When you showed back up, I still loathed you. But you were so incredibly charming that I let my guard down, and I began to get sucked back into your world. A world in which you, albeit unintentionally, made me feel like I needed you in order to be a success. That's not what I meant to do. I did my best to go the distance. I took stock of everything I screwed up before and changed it. But I see how much you struggle, and I just wanted to make sure your dreams come true too. I know. I know you didn't intentionally make me feel inferior or dependent on you. But the truth is, I like me. I like me for me, flaws and all. Whether I have money to burn or have to count dollar bills. Whether I have a hundred or a hundred million people listening to my show. I'm making it where I want to be in my own time. But I love you, Allison. I know you do. And deep down, a little part of me will always love you too. We were part of each other's lives. But unlike when we were married, I finally have confidence in me. And I don't need a man to make me feel whole. How's about I still set up those meetings for you with my publisher contacts? Then the rest is up to you. Deal. Allison walks into the apartment and sees that the boys have fallen asleep on the couches. She also notices that Dylan is holding his Teddy Ruxpin closely. She tries to move about the apartment without disturbing the boys, but she accidentally bumps into Teddy. That's right! Work those pelvic thrusts until you drive them insane! Wield your love wand like a magician! (laughs) Oh, you're back? How'd everything go? Man, that tape gets me in the mood. He asked me to marry him. What? What did you say? Yeah, do I get a larger room now? (laughs) Sorry, Dylan. You're still in your converted office. Well, that's a no-brainer. Was it, though? What do you mean? Why would you ever go back with your ex? I don't know. That Mustang convertible sex sounded pretty great. My motivational tapes don't even cover that until volume two. (laughs) (sighs) It's after midnight. Probably a psycho. Ooh, a psycho. Let them in. Allison walks over to the door and opens it to reveal Mrs. Halverson, dressed in a hot pink nightgown. Hair up in curlers and midnight snack in her hand. Hiya, kids. Who's up for bunt cake? (laughs) Mrs. H, it's after midnight. Well, thank you, Big Ben. (laughs) Bunt cake and brandy solves all of life's problems. But where's the brandy? What? You're not contributing anything? (laughs) I didn't think we'd ever see you again after you lost in our hostage negotiations. Oh, silly goose. You kids can't get rid of me that easily. Besides, I know you'll have that tape dubbed for me soon. Soon, right? Uh, I'll set it to dub before I go to bed. (laughs) So, what are us girls chatting about tonight? Allie was just telling us about how she almost married her ex. What? Perhaps you've been single for so long you can no longer tell the difference between a good guy and a bad guy. Mrs. Halverson wags her finger at Allison. Bad guy, Allison. Bad. Bad guy. Why don't you just hit her with a rolled up newspaper? 
It's not that simple. Yes, it should be incredibly simple, but I was very attracted to everything that he had to offer me. But he left you for his assistant a year ago. I know. And for the first time in a long time, he wasn't a complete narcissistic douchebag. He was offering me the opportunity to get a fast pass to realize my dreams. So why turn him down? Sounds like you were going to get everything you want. Marriage, single family house, a book deal, national syndication of your show, lots of money to spend, a Range Rover in the driveway, a facelift, a guy with a really big- Bradley, I think we've crossed over into your dreams. And you're right. He was offering me a lot. So, what's the downside? Over the course of our conversations, I realized that by him telling me that everything he could do for me, that he was telling me I needed him to be complete. Girl, you don't need him to be complete. You are complete. And I have all of you guys, and even you, Mrs. H, to thank for it. You've helped me grow as a person and recognize my own capabilities. And I know that I can do it. A lot has happened over the last year, hasn't it? (laughs) Sure has. This little crowded, horny apartment has seen it all. (laughs) Wonder what the future holds. I don't know, but I'm looking forward to it, don't you know? Voicing our regular cast, Max Ice as Bradley, Jeff Feitner as Cameron, Cassandra Dodge as Allison, Chase Grant as Dylan, Shannon Hall as Mrs. Helveson, and me, Ian Shaw as your narrator, guest starring this week, Kevin R. Brackett as Jason, and me as Teddy Ruxpin. Today's episode was written and directed by R.L. Terry and edited by Jason Laverne Hemming. Our theme song was written and recorded by Lana White and produced by Dave Anderson. Forza Crowd was created by R.L. Terry and is produced by Danielle Mescal. Connect with our show on social media at Forza Crowd Pod on Twitter. Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. Follow Mrs. Halverson on Instagram at Mrs. Halverson Only Fans. If you would like to support the show, you can head to our Patreon or Coffee pages. See you next time in Apartment Nine. One, two, three, four,